This 710 podcast is brought to you by Francis Coppola's Diamond Collection Wines. Coppola's Diamond Collection offers the perfect wines to celebrate both big and small occasions this summer. Claret Cabernet Sauvignon is the perfect pairing with juicy burgers. And Diamond Sparkling Prosecco goes great with friends at your next garden party. Enjoy your summer with Diamond Collection Wines. Francis Ford Coppola Winery, Sonoma, California. Please drink responsibly. What you need to know is being brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times. Less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Here's one thing you need to know. El Segundo up now 7-0 over Rhode Island. Two outs, top of the third, runner on third. And El Segundo up big now. Lindsay Baseball standing by. That was a great catch. It was a really nice catch. I'm really? The, I'm 15 uh, seconds behind you guys. Well, I was, well, I was talking yet. about the uh, the Gardos game. Dodgers oh. are up 3 nothing. Well, good timing because uh, they made a nice catch in this game as well. Oh, okay. See, there you go, Cap. Okay. All right, I'm so trying to watch to this know. Gardos game, too. You say Gardos, I should be saying Dodgers. Well, I mean, yes, you should. But you don't remember, the Dodgers are your work team. Just like you have work friends, the Dodgers mm-hmm. are your work team. That's right. You, on the other hand, you're real friends with the Gardos. By the way, um, to mix in the Dodgers and the Gardos, they just inducted Manny Ramirez into the Hall of Fame over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And he was there. And he's, you know, he's my favorite player of all time. He's why I wear number 24. That's like my my thing. That's my number 24. Because Manny, he was so great. He was just so great. Because we haven't seen him in so long. And like, no one's heard from him in years. It's probably been a good, like, I don't know, five or six years. I covered Manny for a couple seasons with the Dodgers when he was here, when I, when I was doing work on the dot-com side here at uh, ESPN LA. And he was very charming. Like, he was extremely popular in that clubhouse immediately. That's my guy. They so funny. loved him in part because he started playing music and he made the place festive and basically tore down all of the tension that Jeff Jeff Kent went out of his way to create mm-hmm. in the clubhouse. Like, Manny arrived. I remember watching this. Like, Manny's first game, I was covering it. And he had these speakers set up in the clubhouse, which I had never seen in a previous few seasons or so being around the Dodgers. He's blasting this salsa music, and everyone's just like up and dancing and having fun. And I look at Jeff Kent and his locker, which was like in the farthest corner of the clubhouse that it could possibly be without being in a different room. Mm-hmm. And I remember just looking at Jeff Kent going like, uh, it's over for you, This pal. guy's miserable. Yeah. It's over for you, pal. Right. He's so, I mean, Manny, there's so many great stories about Manny. And like one of my favorite things when I was like coming into the business and I was covering the Indians was talking to our older, now retired um, Indians beat writer for the newspaper at the time. And all the stories he would tell me about Manny, like the one about his paychecks in the glove box. You guys ever hear that story? No. no. Oh, I feel like that's a Cleveland thing. Cleveland alert. So I guess one time we, um, he went to get, he had one of the club, like, what do they call them? Clubbies? Club attendants? Yeah, yeah whatever. clubhouse guys. Mm-hmm. Um washing his car for him or something. I guess that was a thing back then. And he opened the glove box. I think that's actually still pretty common. Is it? Yeah. They wash their cars? Okay, yep. cool. Really? You don't have an outsourced car wash guy that shows well, up at the clubhouse and takes care of the guys? This is also like tw- you know 20-something years ago, right? 25 years uh, ago, maybe? Okay, let me rephrase. I see, like, recently at the Lakers facility, I've seen cars getting washed before. I don't know if that's being done by a Lakers staffer <laughs> okay. or if somebody... So, 
outsourced it. I work it. for the Lakers. What do you do? Either I way, watch the players' cars. Either yeah. way. I mean, I feel just, like that's a job. Just to it's pick, totally I'll a job. Take it, but to be I'll accurate. take that job. Hey, okay. I get to wash LeBron's car. So the story is that at the time, you know, 25 years <laughs> ago. Kathy's rifling through the glove compartment. He was, he, was, <laughs> he was washing his car, and his glove box either, like, popped open, or he was getting something out of there for some reason. I don't know. Getting the polish out, whatever the case is. And, like, all these paychecks, like, poured out of the glove box. And... He like you know he's like oh sorry and he he I guess Manny didn't realize like what they were and he just had all of these these paychecks that he never cashed and he's like oh aren't you gonna like you know cash these or something and he was like oh I no I don't know like he didn't know what they were for and he was just so ignorant and aloof about it like he had all these game checks for like tens of thousands of dollars just chilling in his glove box and like didn't you know, like didn't know what to do with them wow that's kind of sad organization well, should have like, helped him out oh yeah I like mean, hey this is a paycheck. You go take it and you put it in the bank. Now, thankfully, they got direct deposit. So, man, you don't have to worry about it. I just thought it's funny. It goes to show, again, this was a long time ago, and he was very new to the league and probably to the country. You know, he was only... Well, I mean, he may may have been new to, like, banking systems and stuff like that. Nothing else American banking systems. Kind of like an adorable little story. Like, he just didn't know. He was just so aloof. Is that what we needed to know? Well, it wasn't, but that—that that is what you need to know. <laughs> wasn't what going to be, to but know? that is what you need to know. That I'm curious what we did, what we were going to need to know. Save it for the next one, Cappy. All right, that's called right. a tease, right the there. The checks got cash, though, correct? They eventually, I mean, did eventually get cash. they did. Yeah. I hope so. I would assume so. He also once asked one of the beat writers to borrow eighteen grand to buy a motorcycle. <laughs> he asked one of the beat writers who make nothing to to borrow money to buy a motorcycle. That's, That's when somebody awesome. really had to explain. Okay, seriously, those things in the glove compartment—they're money. Yeah, like that's actual money. You didn't know. (laughs) That's very funny. Well, that is what you need to know. Being brought to us by Morago Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than ninety minutes from wherever you are. All right, let me uh, throw something by you today, Andy. Um, Have you seen the story that James Harden was fined by the NBA a hundred grand? Yep. Um. Okay. So I'll just again. I want to hear what you have to say first. What do you think about this? Is it okay for a league to fine a player for an expressing an opinion? about a front office executive with a team that he's currently signed with? Is is that problematic that, that the league has to come out and fine a guy? Well, it's from the league's perspective. I want to make this clear. This is their perspective. This is their explanation. James Harden's comments were related to a trade demand that he had. And because of an investigation that they did, trying to clarify what James Harden was referring to when he publicly called Daryl Morey a liar – And they wanted to figure out what exactly had been going on because you may remember last year the Sixers got hit with a tampering charge because of some, I guess, you know, pre-free agency negotiations with P.J. Tucker and another player that were related to James Harden. And there had always been that assumption that James Harden took less money on the front end to, to get whole on the back end. So that could have been what Harden was referring to with Daryl Morey being a liar that he didn't get the contract that he expected, or, and this is what the investigation ultimately concluded, James Harden was saying that Daryl Morey was a liar because he had been told, opt into your deal and we will trade you quickly. Obviously, that has not happened, and since then, the Sixers have put out there that they expect to open training camp with James Harden on the roster. The conflict comes because the NBA has rules about players not being allowed to make public trade demands. That is one of the rules collectively bargained in the CBA, all that stuff. And that Harden saying that he will not be a part of an organization 
that has Daryl Morey, a liar, running it could be construed as part of his public trade demand hmm. or connected to a trade demand. Therefore, that's where the fine comes from. Okay. So, like, for me, I saw this story, and first of all, um, I find James Harden to be boring. Like, this whole thing about him uh, going to China on this Adidas trip and then using this platform to rip the general manager, blah, blah, blah. Like, to me, it was just all so choreographed and staged. But I really don't have a problem with the league finding the guy. I mean, it's just bad for business. You know, like, it, it is bad for our overall business to have a monster superstar calling a front office executive a liar publicly and using this platform to essentially try and discredit this guy in some way, embarrass him into doing what you want. I, I don't know what the answer is, but like we were having this whole t you know discussion before the show. I don't have a big problem with the league finding the guy. Well, here's the thing, too. James Harden knew by saying these things publicly that he's creating a stir and that there could be ramifications for creating that stir. He also wants to be traded. So he just got fined 100K. The Players Association says they're going to appeal it. Let's say it goes down to 75 or 50K. That is essentially like an eighth of one game check for James Harden. So he could look at that as I'm investing anywhere from 100 grand tops, maybe down to 50 grand if appealed, as an investment to get traded. Like, basically, I am putting this money forward to try to ratchet up the situation, try to create that pressure to get myself traded. I'm investing in my eventual NBA future at what is a pretty low cost for James Harden. You think the Lakers would ever have any interest nope. at all? Nope. I mean, first of all, they can't really make it happen. Like, they, they, don't, they don't really have the salaries to make it happen. But and you know, like someone like D'Angelo Russell, for example, I don't think they can even trade him till like December fifteenth. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Rui. Same thing with Austin Reeves. Like I, even if they wanted to trade uh, those guys for Harden, and I don't think they do. Um, I don't think they could even move him until December. But no, I don't. Mm -hmm. LeBron is already, you know, battling Father Time. He's already pushing the limits of what you can do at this stage of his career. You think he wants to spend a season trying to motivate James Harden? Dude, dude, I would. I the only reason I ask is because I saw a question on on one of these Laker uh, fan websites that asked the question. You know, should the Lakers have any interest? Uh, should the Lakers try and trade for James Harden? It's on LakersNation.com. I voted no. Eighty four percent of people said no. I I mean, I would be very 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 surprised if the Lakers were interested in it. I also, again, would emphasize I don't think they could even do this even if they wanted to until December or so. All right, good. I just wanted to make sure we're – No, I, I, would, be, hear you say I would be frankly stunned yeah. if they tried to get in on this. Cap, I did the math. Yeah. Did you see that – okay, so he said it's like one-eighth of a game check or whatever. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that one game check for James Harden is four hundred and eighteen grand? For one game. That's insane. So 82 games times 418 grand. How much is that? He makes like 36 mil. Or th yeah, 36 million. Wow. Wow. But, but putting that's, it at like 36 million is like, ah, oh, that's just a number but you But you see say. what I'm saying? Like for, from James Harden. $18,000 for one game. That's James, insane. From Harden's perspective, this fine is just an it's investment nothing. in getting what he wants. He well, wipes right. his butt with that fine. Nice. Nice. Well, think Lindsay about baseball. it. What, Let's okay. get graphic. Be a very I like it. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bing, 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 bing. Bing, 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 ding, ding. Yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah. 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 To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and watch the chump like a candle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you may remember the name of the album, Cappy. Do you remember the name of the movie that Vanilla Ice starred in? I don't know. Turn off the lights and I'll flow. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and watch the chump like a candle. Uh, let's see. What was the name of the Wasn't movie? Wasn't it like Cool as Ice? Was that it? Cool as Ice. Yeah, that's right. Was cool with a K? No. No, it was with a C. Oh. Cool as ice. There's also two, if you ever want to just laugh your ass off, you can yeah. find this on YouTube. Remember, okay, you know, this is heavily sampled under pressure, Queen David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Like, super, super. It's basically the song is that bass line. Well, you know, he did an, an infamous interview about That's that. That's what I'm getting okay. to. Okay, okay. He, he did this interview and he was asked about it and he's like, see, there's his do 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 Mine is do 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 do. They're not the same. I think we have that somewhere. It's not the same. Where he tries to make it. Yeah, it's so funny. No, he definitely, he 100%, I remember it vividly just as you're describing it. It's not the same. That he's like, no, dude, don't you hear the difference? Bing, 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 bing. Now, mine is like, bing, 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 bing. You don't hear that? It's not the same. It's like, it's kind of like the scene from Coming to America. Yes. They're McDonald's, we're McDowell's. Yes, this was his McDowell's moment. Okay, here we go. Here we no, that's not it. Hang on, hang on. Bing, 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 bing. Man, I am having bing. all kinds of trouble with the sound today. Ding, 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 bum, 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 bum. Yeah, yeah. Take heed, because I'm a lyrical poet. Miami's on the scene, just in case you didn't know it. My town, that created all the bass sounds. You know that song, Andy? Yeah, Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Baby. Uh, tell me this. You seem to be very frustrated <laughs> with an American institution. And that is Taco Bell. One Taco Bell. (laughs) AK, well, what's up with you and Taco Bell, man? Okay. My frustration isn't even so much with Taco Bell (laughs) as it reminds me of just sort of a frustration for the future. There's news uh, that Lindsay sent us that Taco Bell may be looking to go completely cashless. Mm -hmm. Like that they, they may just get rid of cash as an option. You'll have to do whatever type of card transaction, Venmo, whatever it would be, 
to pay for your Taco Bell, no cash allowed. Mm-hmm. And it first of all, like I, I feel like they're they're playing a dangerous game, Cappy. You know, trying to reach out to the youngs who don't do anything with cash, everything's card, versus the olds who still hang on to their cash. They don't know how to do like the you know the newfangled Venmo. They don't understand anything like that. Right. They don't. Well, know how tell to do. me, tell me about this this Apple Pay. Yeah, they don't oh, know how to do Apple how do Pay. I, how do I connect my my phone to yeah. my card like, and Apple Pay? How, oh, you know what? I'll just pay cash. I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna be hearing from my parents all the time. <laughs> like you know, any grandparents people have, grandkids are gonna be hearing from them. But it also, it reminds me of how, and I've experienced this with my daughter. She just started seventh grade. Like a few years ago, she was doing some math problems that were related to money. And like, you know, cash transactions, like you pay for something with a dollar, you're getting change back. And she really didn't understand it. And she was just struggling. And I'm like, wait a minute, she does math that's more complicated than this. Like, why does she, why is this so hard for her? <laughs> I came to realize... She doesn't understand cash. Like kids of her generation, like Generation Z, the new Generation A, they don't understand like Wait, literally what? what's money. Generation A? Generation A is the one that's after Generation Z. So oh, what is restart? your daughter? She's we Generation restart? A, right? We restart. No, she's she's just on the end point of Gen what Z. What is the end point? I believe it's 2012. Okay. Well, what's the what's the range for Gen Z? I think it's like late 90s to 2012 it's got to be what? 2000 because they're they're otherwise they're called 90s babies right yeah so wait a second so so your so daughter is 12 years old 13 years old she doesn't understand about cash she, she can do complicated math but you say to her hey um you pay with a dollar it costs 40 cents what do you receive in return and she says i don't even know what 60 cents is right like i mean but think about it though the overwhelming majority of purchases she ever sees are either with a card and a phone, you know, with a phone mm-hmm. or like Amazon or right. ordering online, like the actual legal tender part. Uh, like she understands things cost money mm. and she understands like the idea of something that costs $200 is more expensive than something that costs 20 bucks. Like she right. gets that. But like what smart the, kid. Right. But what the actual <laughs> what the actual money is. It's foreign. She doesn't. She doesn't really get it. And I don't blame her because she never sees it. Well, so, have, have you ever been in like a grocery store or wherever, and it's like a younger person that's checking you out, and you give them cash, and they have to count change, even when it shows them on the screen how much change they have to give you back. I feel like they often struggle okay, to like yes. figure out how mm-hmm. much that Re- is. Okay, recently, this is just another example of how much this has changed. Like one of the places where I, at around her age, really sort of learned the value of money, like small value money, was the arcade. Because everything was in quarters, you oh, would take your dollars nickel, and your nickel, five dollars. Right, to get that changed down. I recently took my daughter to this, It's a, I think it's called Retro Arcade. It's on mm-hmm. Vermont in Hollywood. Really, okay. f- it's really fun place. It's like, like all old, It's all old school games. I love, I love those mm-hmm. places that have all the old school games. Yeah, yep. it's all yep. old school games. And one of the things I was thinking about is, okay, you know what? She's actually going to un- like learn more about like dollars and coins and stuff right. like that because I'm going to be making change all the time. You go in there, you purchase a card, oh, and then all you do is like, like swipe. It. I'm like, damn it, this isn't even working. <laughs> all right, Andy, oh, I got the crazy. place for you. You got to bring your daughter to the racetrack. And then you got to give your daughter like like thirty dollars in one dollar bills, and then you got to explain to her that she got to go up to the ticket and make a two dollar bet. That's you know? funny. And then if she wins, she gets back four dollars or six dollars or whatever. What was the last time? Let me ask everybody here. Last time you went into a restaurant, and I'm talking like fast food, mm-hmm. 
and paid in cash? Because the whole complaint is is that Taco Bell may no longer Ooh. take cash. Last time you went into a fast food place, ordered and paid cash. Funchy, uh. I see you. I see you thinking, Funch. Uh, when I went to Vegas, maybe like a month and a half ago. Oh, that I, tracks. Yeah, I went to like a White Castle and I paid in cash. Really? A White Castle, Yeah, huh? yeah. yeah. I never I ate a White, White Castle. I had to go. Like yeah. little White Castle burgers with yeah. the onions on them? Yeah. Gross. Those things are bomb. Yeah. Ew. You have yeah, to have grown up on them. in Chicago is disgusting. You have to have grown up on them. Like, if it's you didn't grow gross. up on them, you will not Yeah, I do Oh, dude, like those them. things are fire. No. Okay. When was the last time you used cash, Queen? Um, I, well... At a restaurant, I don't remember, but I actually just purchased something in cash because I was at Disneyland with my mom, and she gave me cash to buy something for my goddaughter. So that, I was on Saturday, but if it's because of me, I honestly don't remember. And and I don't blame kids because I told you guys on the text, I was like, my daughter, oh my daughter, my goddaughter, when she wants something, and I'm like, no, I don't have money, whatever, you know, just me telling her no. She's like, what do you mean? Scan your phone. Yeah, like, that's what she says. Scan your phone. <laughs> that's what she. I was right, like, "Excuse me, man." Right, but you got to have money in the account when you scan your mm-hmm. phone, and she doesn't know that. All she well, does is seven. she just thinks it's your phone. No, but like the idea when she's I was seven, seven I understood. I may not have truly understood the value of a dollar when I was seven, mm-hmm. but I understood that dollars existed. Like, yeah. like, like that there was like a form <laughs> of currency that people used to buy things. Like my daughter rarely experiences. The actual cash. Andy, if I showed she, your daughter a quarter and I said, what is this? Would she, she would say, know. I don't she would know, know what okay. a quarter is. Yes. Yeah, I want to make know. sure I don't represent my, my yeah. daughter being humiliated by this. She gets it now, but it actually took some explaining because, again, a lot of this money, she just doesn't interact with in that way. Mm. So they also don't know what it's like to be broke. Right. Because of Laura's Not, point, it's like, well, I don't have any dollars. What do you mean? Just scan your phone. Yeah, you know she's I mean? like, like, scan your phone. But I, so my mom. She teach ha- that stuff in school. My mom has a thing for her grandkids that every time she sees them, she would give them like physical dollars. Like whether, depending, you know, whether it's a dollar, five dollars, and it, it'll increment, you know, five, ten, whatever. So my goddaughter knows what money looks like and she knows she can buy things. Especially when she was younger, like five, you know, four or five. But now she's getting older and seven, eight, you know, she's about to turn eight because it's not being handed to her anymore. And she sees the phone more to her. It's like, oh, we don't need that anymore. Just use your phone. So she knows what dollars, you know, can do and can provide for you. But I think the more we go away from it, the more kids are like, oh, Dude, just kind of And that brings the, it full the, circle. The phone, is, the phone is infinite. There's money. It never ends with the phone. And, mm. and that's why I'm upset, <laughs> bringing this full circle. I feel yeah. like Taco Bell is contributing to this generation that does not understand what money is. Taco Come on, Bell, Taco Bell. Taco Come Bell on. is not part of the solution. They are part of the problem. I can't even tell you the last time I was at a Taco Bell. Maybe, maybe they're thinking, well, you know what? Guys like like Cap here and Andy, they're not coming to Taco Bell anyway. They're cash carriers, and they're not coming here. But you know what? Uh, the 12-year-old and the 15-year-old and the 17-year-old, those guys are card carriers, and those guys are coming to Taco Bell. So we want to make life easier for them. I will tell you this, Andy. My 16-year-old daughter, probably in the same boat as your daughter, but now that she works in an ice cream shop, every night she comes home with cash tips. Not a lot, because most of the tips are on cards. But she comes home with cash tips. She takes the cash. She saves it until she gets to like $100. And then she goes and physically goes into the bank and deposits in her bank account. So she understands she received the cash, and now she put it in her bank account. So I think that uh, 
your daughter's going to learn just oh, in a couple of years. She, Oh, she absolutely will learn. And again, I want to make this clear. She understands what money is. It just took more explanation in math form and like sort of relating the numbers to some form of currency. And it was so perplexing to me that she didn't get it. I'm like, I don't understand why she doesn't get this. She does math that is more difficult than this. And then I realized, no, it's not the math she doesn't understand. It's the money. It's the money part of it she doesn't get. When was the last time anybody here was at a Taco Bell? Who's been to a Taco Bell? Come on. <laughs> Funchy, if I, you've I been went. to a White Castle, Funchy, you've probably been to a Taco Bell, too. Uh, probably in the last couple of years. I've, yes, Taco Bell, yes. Okay. I have not been in years. I've been in the past year. I went four months ago for my brother was craving one of the boxes that they have, mm-hmm. but I ordered it on the app. So <laughs> I just picked, ordered it on the app, and I was like, I'll go pick it up for you, and that was it. By the way, right. Cap, you mentioned how your daughter has to go deposit money, like her cash tips, into her bank account. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I like won money. I was either in Vegas or I was like camping and was at the casino, and I like couldn't. There was like three or four places I tried to spend the cash that like didn't take the cash, and I was like annoyed by it because I was out of town, so I couldn't go deposit it in the bank. Also. I don't want to, like, deposit a bunch of money through, like, the ATM at night. I want to, like, go into the bank and deposit it because you never know, you know, with, like, the the ATMs. Am I the only one who's like that? I feel like it's kind of, you know. Well, especially if it's a lot of cash. Right. That's what I mean. Like, if you have What are we talking here? Like, 100 grand, 200 grand? No. If you have, like, $1,000, I'm not going to go deposit (laughs) $1,000 in the ATM, would you? Not going to stand in front of the ATM. I've got 100,000. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. By the way, uh, shout out to the Circle of Trust on fire this afternoon. Everybody's jumping into the conversation about a cashless world. And oh, by the way, California, being represented by El Segundo Little League, now has a 9 nothing lead over Rhode Island in the top of the fifth. And it looks like El Segundo is going to move past here because they, you know, they lost yesterday to Texas. They'll win today against Rhode Island, and they'll keep the dream alive, Andy Kamenetsky. I mean... All right, so a security guard who gained online fame after he was seen singing along to Taylor Swift's songs at her Eras Tour concert oh my has God, been dismissed from his job. You guys remember no this guy? No way. Yeah. He got fired? Yes. So he was employed by a local security company, and he went viral back in June because he was filmed singing to Taylor Swift's hit Cruel Summer during mm-hmm. her performance, and mm-hmm. that video got like over three million views. Everyone was talking about it, and he was just like, oh yeah, if you can't get tickets to the Taylor Swift concert, just get a temporary job as a security guard there. Uh, well, 
He said last week on TikTok that he was fired after working at Ed Sheeran's concert, <laughs> and he had admitted to distributing notes to concert goers, asking them to photograph him if Taylor Swift was in the background, which is what led to his dismissal. Should this guy have been fired? Swipe left or swipe right, Cappy? Uh, <laughs> All right, here it goes. Listen, yes. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the reality of the situation, right? Um, finding good help is a difficult thing to do. And when you're a security company, you know, it is hard to find really great people that are reliable and responsible and so on. And I feel like I understand his motivation. Hey, I'm going to become a security guard so I can go see all the artists that I want to see so I don't have to buy tickets. They actually pay me for being there. But, I mean, what if you were needed to be a security guard and you're dancing, you're busy dancing to Taylor Swift? So I know it's not going to sound popular, but I'm going to say fire the guy. Okay. I was on the security guard's side when I thought it was just him singing along to the songs because there's no reason that you can't be singing along, bobbing your head a little bit, but still keeping your eyes on the concert goers. Like, I believe in a world where you can walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> where he lost me, though, Cappy, and where I think you're ultimately correct is that he was apparently asking concert goers to like photograph him, try to, you know, try to basically get Taylor Swift to photobomb me, that sort of thing. Like at that point, you are not paying attention to your actual job. That's the part where I think he screwed up. If he had just been singing along, you know, I mean, like the Redcoats at Staples, they're watching the Laker game. I mean, you, you mean to tell me that none of them have that job, at least in part? Because they love the opportunity to see the to get paid to watch the Lakers, but you can still watch the game and keep an eye on the crowd. But these guys don't ask someone, "Hey, hey, 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 get a photograph of me right where LeBron's dunking." Right. Like that—that's the part where you lose your job. Dude, I really thought it was organic. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so cute!" Like, look at this guy. He's like this, you know, middle-aged guy, and he's he's a little overweight, but he's got some decent dance moves. And all of a sudden, instead of everybody paying attention to to T Swizzle, everybody's paying attention to this guy. It's cute. And now I find out that it's it's not so organic, and it's like, hey, videotape me. I think it's fine. And also, I'm sure he does not give two bleeps that he just got fired from his probably low-wage security guard job because he clearly didn't need it if he was just, you know... I mean, the whole reason he went viral in the first place was like, can't get tickets to Taylor Swift? Then just get a job as a security guard. So, I mean, I feel I mean, like he that, accomplished look, the again, mission, that's right? That's not uncommon. There was an episode of uh, Beverly Hills 90210 where... Uh, I believe it was David and Tori got jobs as uh, vendors to go see the Rolling Stones at the Rose Bowl. Like, this has been going on for decades. I did not decades. know that was a thing. And hey, I was like, oh, that's a good hey, idea. No, no, that's that's pretty pretty seriously deep. I mean, you're going into the into the old safes right there, you know, with like the original lassies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's like, far back. You know, you're going 90210, you know, on us. You know, the history of 90210, it's pretty impressive stuff. Travis I would think. appreciate it. No, I, I appreciate it. I just don't remember it. But I love David. David Silver. But I love David. <laughs> yeah, I love David Silver. He was the Hebrew brother of he the was. group. He you know? was. Uh, well, Tori Spelling should have been acknowledged as so, but was not. Mm -hmm. They kept it quiet. Remember well, my speaking, buddy David Lasher on that show? He was like the first gay guy on the show. We did not, no, none of us remembered him until like we. I feel like we all had to Google him. And right. then we're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Right. I believe I actually do know who you're talking about. Wasn't he? Was he one of Steve's fraternity brothers? 
on the show. Maybe. And it, he, he, was, he was struggling to come out because he didn't think the fraternity would accept him. Yeah, that sounds about right. Boy, you really know your 90210. I really do know my 90210. Dang, you, you would really kill on that category in like some Jeopardy trivia. Uh, I would crush it. I would crush it. I've actually, there, there's a, I don't know if the show is still going, but there was a Beverly Hills 90210 podcast that not only I've been a guest on twice, oh my I, got, God. I got Travis on as <laughs> a guest. You were just telling me you hosted it. No, I did not host it, but I got Travis on. That's great. That's yeah. great. I All love right. 90210. Well, maybe, I should, maybe I should go back and rewatch it. Is it on Netflix? Um, I don't it's know. It's on actually. one of the... No, I think it's on um, either Paramount or Peacock. It's one of those... Okay. Maybe By the way, I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback from 710 listeners that are all now watching Stable Wars. Wow. All because of Steve Mason. Is it all because of Steve Mason or is yeah, it all because they want to see you, Cappy? No, it's because Mason told everybody that he watched Stable Wars and now everybody's like, wait, where can I find it? And I don't know if it's called FUBU or Tubi or whatever Tubi. it's called. Tubi. Tubi. Fubu and that's where it's clothing. at. Now Fubu people are like, the clothing. Yeah. Yeah, now everybody's hitting me up. They're going, dude, I'm watching Stable Wars episode or season two. I'm like, you're not really. What and is Stable Wars? It's I don't know Cap's what that is. It's show that he was on with his, you tell him. Well, here's, a, I created a show probably. Wait, really uh, quick. Can I finish um, yeah, Radio yeah. Tinder? Go ahead. Really go ahead. I'll we'll tell you the next Stable segment, Wars. Andy. Okay. Right. That's a good tease, Cap. Okay. Okay. So last one then. <laughs> a report. Andy, you have no idea. Wait. There's a report that the NFL is uh, considering putting together a boy band centric halftime show for this year's Super Bowl. They're reportedly exploring... A boy band mashup that would feature the likes of NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, 90 Degrees, Boys to Men, Belle Bib DeVoe, Color Me Bad, and possibly a K-pop group. The report also claims that Taylor Swift was the NFL's first choice for this year's halftime show, and she declined, which I feel like we heard that like two weeks ago, so that tracks, because, you know, we I think Andy was in it, and we decided yeah. she didn't she doesn't need it. No, she does, does not, not need it. Um, nope. And they've also reportedly extended an offer to Harry Styles. Are you in on a boy band mashup halftime show for the Super Bowl? <laughs> swipe left or swipe right, Cap? I'll swipe right. Can you go through the groups one more time? Uh, the ones that are being floated are yeah. NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, okay. 90 wait, Degrees. But wait, I got a comment on okay. this. Okay. NSYNC, you got no chance. What do you I mean, mean you got no chance? Actually, I, I think you're wrong because it just came out, I think, yesterday yeah. that they are reuniting to do a song on the next Trolls movie. Really? They're going to be Justin like well, that Timberlake makes sense song. because Justin Timberlake is one of the yeah, stars one, of the Trolls yep. okay. movies. Yep. All right, so here's the thing. I just find it hard to believe that Justin Timberlake would get back together with NSYNC for a Super Bowl mashup. Oh, I but disagree. Keep going. Oh, been, maybe I'm wrong. It's like the timing is perfect for the nostalgia there. Okay, like, keep, go perfect. to the next group, though. So it was NSYNC. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet, okay, now Backstreet Boys, I would think those guys would They're all free. want to do it. 98 Degrees, they were just touring. They were at Yamava last summer. Okay, 98 Degrees, Boys all right. Boys to Men, they're touring. Now, I love touring. Boys to Men, and I love Belle Bib Tavo. And then after that, you said Color Me Bad, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a second. Color Me Who, Bad. Who, by the way, appeared on 90210. <laughs> oh, really? But come on, Color Me Bad's not big enough to hang out with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and Bell Bib. Come on. They no, but if you're, they playing, never... if you're playing up the nostalgia, Color Me Bad is big enough. Really? Well, like, they would never get the nod by themselves. Like, Color Me Bad will not be doing the entire Super Bowl. But if you're bringing in all of those boy bands... Color me band, uh, color me bad could be included. Was then. was color me bad? I wanna sex yes. you up. Yep. TikTok, mm-hmm. you don't stop. Oh yeah, all night. They were in the peach pit. Oh, they were. They oh, were in the God, peach pit. Guy, yes, they were. This guy knows everything. <laughs> yes, God, he, he does. does. Yes, he does. What was the old guy's name who who ran the Nat, peach pit? Nat, I used to see. I used to see him at a bar on Sunset all oh, the time. Oh no! Did did you talk to him? <laughs> I did not talk oh, to him. I left I, him alone. How could but you I, not? Um, I wanted to give him his. Uh, oh, give me a break. He would be loving it. He's like, wait, you watch. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? 
your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Got to send a quick shout out here, Andy Kamenetsky, to uh, one of our Circle of Trust members, a guy by the name of Royce Tony. Very engaged in the show. Royce says, well, I know who Royce is. Yeah, he's, he's cool. I like Royce. Royce says, the idea of Andy's seventh grade daughter going to the track to learn about cash had me rolling on the floor laughing. You know, it had him ruffling. <laughs> it had him ruffling? Rather than idge bowling. Idge bowl. Idge bowl. Okay, Ijbol. true story. You, I think you'll appreciate this, Cappy, as you know, somebody who is a part of horse racing and just gambling at large. When my daughter was around six or seven, and I was trying to teach her addition tables, that's uh, subtraction tables, how to do that stuff in your head, or at least just start to understand the concept of it. But I wanted to make it fun. I taught her how to play blackjack. And See? just the counting up to 21, counting the different cards, helped her learn addition and subtraction from 21 to figure out where she was. I love this idea. I'm not joking. I mean, I know Royce is like, I think it's funny that you're going to teach your kid about money at a racetrack. I swear to you. Like, my son, not a mathematician in any way, but put a racing form down in front of him, and he can start to sit there and analyze the numbers. And I got to say, honestly, like, um, learned a lot of math. And I'm telling you right now, Andy, bring your daughter to me. I'll give her $20 and $1 bills, and, and I'll teach her about cash that day at the racetrack. Maybe I was we'll going to say, I learned uh, how to, we were talking about change and counting quarters and stuff. That's how I learned was playing poker. Like, my dad used to have poker parties, and they would, like, the first couple of hands, he would let me sit in, and he taught me how to play poker, and they bet with quarters. Bartending? Actually, for real, I, I learned how to do math fast, because just counting up drink orders and having to, you know, when you when you have a packed bar, you don't have time to get struggle coming up with how much someone owes you. Hey, um, tomorrow we're going to do a backyard broadcast from Morales' house. It's the first day that Sedano is coming back from vacation. Now, my understanding is it's going to be me, Lindsey Baseball, and Morales at his crib as he's going to be making on the grill Hebrew National hot dogs. Now, a lot of people are telling me, Andy, that I should not be going nose-to-nose -nose with Morales again. That was a one-time bit with 22 inches of dog. These are Hebrew Nats. These are like six inches, and so people are saying that you shouldn't do it. If you do a, a giant 22-inch glizzy, that's one thing. A little six-inch Hebrew nat, that's that's for amateurs. I don't know. What do you say, Andy? Well, I, I feel like for the bit, the six-incher doesn't actually pay off like the 22 because the 22 allows the buildup for where you guys eventually end up nose-to-nose. -nose. Six inches, bam, you're right there. Right. All over each other. Like from a from like a joke slash bit construction standpoint, I think the people are right. Mm. There was a. Uh, did you see that story the other day about the uh, the women's World Cup team that won the World Cup? Of course, you know once the U.S. was eliminated, I really wasn't paying attention to it anymore. But I think Spain won the World Cup, right? The women's World they Cup. Did. And and the star of the team, like afterwards, the guy, whoever the person is who like runs the Spanish soccer the commission. 
like yeah, they gave her like a kiss like right on her lips, you know what I mean? Yes. And people were putting that picture side by side with Mia Morales <laughs> the day at Yamava when we had our 22-inch glizzy. I don't know, it kind of looked just kind of the same. Well, just, the difference is though, I I think you and you and uh Morales we you, wanted to kiss? Yes. Uh, oh. I, I'm very much under the distinct impression that the soccer player was not happy <laughs> she, about she, this. She said as much. Yes. Yeah. She, She's like, that, I, I was not okay with that. Or she said, I did not like that. Yeah, that's the big difference is she, uh, boundaries were violated. You and Cappy, this is just what you wanted yeah, to do. That's right. That's right. Exactly right what we wanted to do. Hey, um, so listen, I um, yesterday, DeMarco Farr came on the show, Andy, because I felt very disconnected to the Rams in the preseason and since we haven't been out at training camp in a couple of weeks. So he kind of came in yesterday and, and updated us a little bit. But on the way out, DeMarco Farr said, yo, have you seen this Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix? Now, I've heard the Queen talk about it, and I've heard Lindsay Baseball talk about it. I think um, I've heard Ireland talk about it, whatever. I'd not seen this Johnny Manziel doc. I promised DeMarco I would watch it last night, and I did. I, you're impressed, aren't you, Laura? I'm very impressed because I literally was like, Cap, you got to watch it, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. I've been pressing you to watch it, so I'm happy you did. Well, I mean, I did watch the Oscar de la Hoya. Also part, great. Okay? Great documentary. I, I am two episodes into Hard Knocks, mm. and I am going back to quarterbacks despite mm. you guys because I know you didn't watch it. You just don't want to watch it. Mm. You just don't want to like it. So even Andy, he was, I liked it. Yeah, Andy's like, nah, nah. Andy, you didn't like quarterbacks. Huh? I haven't even, I haven't even gotten around to quarterbacks. Oh, well, then, see? yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah, didn't. No. It's not that you didn't like no, it. Hard, it's just no, you didn't hard watch knocks it. at this point. I'm just over. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like everything that has been explored in hard knocks, there's nothing new. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. Like especially like, the whole Aaron Rodgers angle. Right. Like last year, I watched Dan Campbell and and the Detroit Lions. I became a Detroit Lions Dan Campbell fan. I can tell you this right now. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm enjoying seeing what he's doing. But Robert Sala, like, I just have an opinion of Robert Sala now. Like, I don't see this guy as a serious NFL head coach. I, I could be proven wrong, but I, I would never have that opinion if I don't have this sort of access. But nonetheless, I watched this Johnny Manziel doc. AK, I'm going to strongly urge you to watch this documentary. Okay. okay. I kind of forgot how amazing Johnny Manziel was in his his redshirt freshman year at Texas A&M went on the road and beat Alabama at Alabama as like a 19 year old kid and won the Heisman trophy as a freshman, which, you know, even if you're the best player, that doesn't happen, right? They don't want to give it to a freshman, but then what happened after his freshman year, I got to tell you guys, I don't remember a lot of this and don't remember paying a lot of attention to it. So what happens thereafter, Andy? Do you know the story of what happens after yeah, his I freshman mean, year? My, my wife went to A and M, so oh. I actually, because of that, saw more. I saw more of Johnny Manziel than I think I otherwise would have, even as somebody in this industry. Like she was obviously really caught up in everything with Johnny Manziel and that whole circus. So yeah, I mean, a, a lot of this stuff I actually was watching. I didn't realize that what Manziel did, and fill in the details, Laura and Lindsay is that he um, realized now he'd become such a monster sensation. Like, you know, small-town Texas kid playing at a really... I mean, you're not playing at USC. You know, you're not playing at UCLA. This is Texas A&M in College Station, Texas. But he became such a sensation, this kid, that everybody was making money off of him. 
And he decided, well, that doesn't seem right. I should be able to make some money. So he goes to these like um, autograph guys, and these guys are going to pay him money, like big cash. And that's where the whole Manziel like showing the money gesture came from. I don't remember. Do you girls remember? Um, he had a BFF with him, and that guy was sort of shielding him. That's how he was able to only be suspended for like I don't know a start or like a quarter of a game. How did they protect Johnny Manziel from from getting busted? Do you guys recall? He gave he called his grandpa and said, "Can you?" You know, if I give you some money, can you write me a check? Because mm-hmm. he said then that's where he came up with the whole, like, you know, he's like an oil tycoon. Like, his family was loaded. Like, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like oil tycoon type of money. They so, had to create a backstory yeah. so you could justify or ju- even just explain the idea that this kid seemed to have a pretty big lifestyle mm-hmm. for a college freshman. But right. he said that, that it was a lie that his family was exceptionally wealthy. I mean, he, they're, they're pretty wealthy. They're well, just no, not, no, but... But he, yeah. but he, but he, but he does say that he lied about it. But, do you, that, uh, but he, he said he lied about being oil tycoon rich. I can't take the lying anymore, AK. I mean, first it's Oscar De La Hoya tells me that he lied about his mom and the story about her cancer and winning a gold medal for, her. and then I don't know what happened with Michael Orr. And, oh, we and, need an untold and, on that. You know, I don't know what happened there. I don't know who's telling the truth and who's well, lying. Eventually, eventually, that stuff is going to come out, like in Discovery. Yeah. If the, if, the, yeah. if these suits go forward. Eventually, we are going to know exactly how this setup was. Now Johnny Manziel's a liar, too? I think I we thought, kind of all knew that Johnny Manziel yeah. was a little off. Know. I mean, Johnny Manziel Just never honest. seemed like a reliable narrator Correct. in his own story. I mean, he was wild. He was known as a partier. We, you know, we've seen that he's had substance, issue, substance issues over you know, the course of his football career, over the course of his adult life. Like, he always seemed like somebody that was looking to grow the legend. We may just have not known the specifics of what he was growing in real time. But he was so famous as a college football player at Texas A&M. Not Caleb Williams at USC. He was so famous at Texas A&M. He was hanging out with LeBron. As a college kid, he was hanging out with Drake. He was he was around all this fame and money and partying. And I didn't realize the end of the story was that he went to Vegas one night and like a schmuck is trying to figure out how to get back to Cleveland to go play in a football game. He's partying in Vegas on a Saturday night. He needs to fly back to Cleveland. But instead of calling a private jet, he's trying to get a commercial airliner, doesn't show up in time for the game. And that's kind of where his career ends. Okay, I had forgotten about this until you mentioned hanging out with LeBron and Drake, and, and, but, that was like the one of the most famous pictures yeah. of him was with LeBron. But going back way back in the day, I just found an article from 2014 from Cleveland.com. The marketing phenomenon known as Johnny Manziel is spearheaded by LRMR, a marketing and brand firm owned by LeBron James and run by Maverick Carter, Randy Mims, Rich Paul. You know LeBron, mm-hmm. the guys who still in various ways help manage LeBron's career. Manziel, picked by the Cleveland Browns with a 22 overall pick last week, chose LRMR five months ago. So he was really like one of the earlier guys when it came to, you know, like Rich Paul and managing athletes. Like, I think this actually, I'm not 100% sure, I think this actually predates Clutch's existence. Like, I'm not sure Clutch had actually been formed at this point. But I'd forgotten. Bunchy's in the back saying no, that, that Clutch wasn't. Is that right, Yeah, Bunch? Clutch was in, invented, uh, I think, in like until 2017, 2018, right? right? So, yeah. so, like, this was really, like, one of the earlier, like, test cases. For, you know, it was a learning curve, not just for Johnny Manziel, but for, you know, Team LeBron. And, like, all the guys who, look, 
Rich Paul and Maverick Carter, they, they've turned out to be phenomenal at this. They're really, really good at it. But also, like, because I saw the documentary, I thought it was, I really liked it. And he talks about, and no, I'm not excusing him, but it, it talks about how he was diagnosed with being bipolar, which tracks with the highs, the lows, the the lavishing spending, and and a lot of the erratic behavior that he had. Like, it's part of being diagnosed as bipolar, depending on which one you're diagnosed with, too, one or two. But it, it tracks with people that, again, depending on which one you're diagnosed with, that that happens a lot. They're, he just looks you know, like he just looks like a mess now, though. You know what I mean? He like, is. Like, yeah. like, there's like, what can he possibly do? He's 29 years old. Did he uh, talk about his ex-wife at all? No, no there was not no, no, not that I really? recall. Really? Wow. There's a why? lot of things. That's why a lot of people don't like it. And like, I thought there was like, well, it was kind of poorly done in that sense. Like, they, Ryan Leaf actually right, was he called very him out critical of it. Because yeah. everyone's like, oh, it's so good. And it's like, yeah, but like, it's juicy, like I said. But I feel like from a documentary standpoint, they left a lot of the historical well, that, stuff that's out. That's actually one of the things I'm, I'm seeing a quote right now um, from Ryan Leaf. It stigmatized mental health, stigmatized yeah. uh Suicide, substance abuse disorder, offered zero solution and took advantage of someone with an untreated disease. And I think he also felt like it created a cartoonish perception of, you know, Johnny football, like a character. But That's the, what it was. Right. But and, they, the, and it just kind of ended. Like the, like oh, you said, like it, there was no like. I think Ryan Leaf should relax. Honestly, like for me, I don't know that it was exactly 100% factual. All I did was find it entertaining. I have no like right, but for, giant criticism like, you know what? They left this out. They didn't talk about this. They glorified this. I just watched it. I found it interesting and entertaining. Right, Pretty simple. From Leaf's perspective, though. Like I, I think where he's coming from is somebody who's been very public about you know both substance abuse issues and mental health issues. You know, Ryan Leaf has actually been in prison over this stuff. I think he, it seems like, like he, he was feel- Johnny Football before Johnny right. Football. It's, Not exactly. Well, well but he ha- he definitely had issues. I mean, I mean as he, far as like the the you know blowing up really quickly, he wasn't as good. But I feel like right. it, you know you're they're you're on right. the same did, the wavelength. Right? And he yes, did blow up immediately. It sounds like he feels like. You mentioned before, like, the idea that this is entertaining. Like, that was the word that you used. Yeah, I found it entertaining. It was. I I think from his perspective, if it's not a full enough look, Ryan Leaf's perspective, you're not getting, like, a really full picture of Johnny Manziel and what mental health issues really constitute, then basically you're creating entertainment out of something that is more serious and and needs a deeper look. I got to disagree with Ryan Leaf on this. I do. I do. I, I found it to be very interesting to remember what how great of a, a college player he was, how big of a star he was, how, how much of a, a defiant personality he was towards the NCAA, and then to see his life crumble like that. That's all. I mean, I hate to say it, but his, his misfortune was the entertainment for this show. Anyway, listen, stick around, because I know we got to hit this break at the top of the hour. Plus, what we all need to know is coming up next. This is Sedano and Cap on 710 ESPN.